thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. There's a, there's a common theme, actually, when you start walking towards a, a transition, and, uh, and common questions that come about that I've received over the last couple months as we move closer to our new season as a church and new season as a church staff. And um, What do you think the most common question was? What's going to change? You're all right. Guess what? Last service, everyone got that right as well. And so we know that's the most common question. What's going to change around here? And it's a very common question in transition. And really the heart of this question, and I totally understand it, is this, is what does this mean for me? And that's what everyone's wondering. What does this mean for me? How is this going to affect me? Um, are things going to look different? Maybe some of you, because you know I grew up in the South, you're thinking, are we, are we going to start handling snakes here in the service or something? Is it, is it going to get crazy around here? Or, or uh, maybe, maybe someone's clapping about handling snakes. I don't think, no, no, no. It. Ushers, please take care of this uh, person. <laughs> just, just kidding, Scott. Love you, man. Um, you know, maybe one of the most important questions is, is this one. Are we still going to serve donuts? I mean, that's, that's a big deal around the church, isn't it? Um, maybe some of you, you know, you know well, we are look, working on maybe serving a, a, a tofu donut for some of you who would prefer. I'm kidding. We're actually not doing that at all. Um, but really to say that nothing is going to change is to say that really we've become religious. It really is. And, uh, and it's to really say that our methodology, in other words, how we do things, has become greater than our theology, meaning why we do things. How many here know why we do things is more important than how we do things? And so the question is, what does God want from us as a church? And listen, I know there are things that are, that are going to change. Naturally, they're going to change. But on the other hand, there are things here at our church that will never, ever, ever change. And in the world that's changing all around us, I wanted to take some time this morning and talk about the things here at our church that will never change. In other words, the unchangeable. The things that will, that, that no matter how, how many years we continue to go on, that things are not going to change. How many, how many here know that our church, Faith Bible Chapel, 50 years ago, probably looked different than it does today? Some of you were actually here 50 years ago. And you've had the great journey of watching God do fresh and new things and, and try to follow the leading of the Lord as a church. And so, um, but before I get into the details of what is unchangeable here at our church, I want us to look at this passage um, out of Matthew chapter 25. That for me has been the real center and, and really focal point of how I've tried to live my life. It's been the driving force of all that I do in my, in my marriage in my family, with my children, and in ministry. And this passage we're going to read um, has many applications. has applications for us as individuals, but also has applications for us as a church. And I want to be focusing today on for us as a church. What does this passage say to us? And so Matthew chapter 25, if you have your Bibles, please open it. We are going to have it on the screens. But this is what's called the parable of the talents. And talents is, is simply, it's a measurement of money. So that is what we're going to be reading about. But Jesus is speaking of what the kingdom of God is like. 
And so Jesus begins in this passage speaking to uh, some folks standing around him and people he's teaching. He says this. The kingdom of heaven, actually, the kingdom of heaven, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more, so he doubled it. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents here. I have made five talents more. And his master said to him, now listen, listen to this word, these words, well done, good and faithful servant. Sounds very familiar to another passage. You have been faithful over a little, and because of that, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he said also to to. Sorry, I'm standing a little too close to the screen. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents here. I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, and because of that, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Let's look at the last person, servant, in this. He also, who had received one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man. Reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown, and I gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word that speaks to us. God, as we look at your word today, I pray that it would challenge us, it would speak to us, it would change us, it would encourage us, it would cut us and heal us all at the same time. Lord, we submit to your word today. May your presence dwell as we teach from your word. God, let every word that I speak that is of you, let it fall deeply in our hearts. If it's not of you, then strike it from our memory. In Jesus' name we pray. We all say, amen. Something that's really important to notice about this passage or this parable is that the servants were not held responsible according to what was given to them, but they were held responsible for what they did with what the master gave them. So it wasn't about the substance that was given. They were held responsible for how they invested it, what they did with it, what, how, they, how they took what the master gave them and how they applied it and did something with it. They didn't change what was given to them. They didn't swap it out with, with the master for something else. They had to work with what the master had given them. And they were held responsible for what they did with it. And as I was reading this passage and, and really looking into it, 
This deeply challenged me as the new leader of our church. Because I began to think through all that God has used this church to do over the years. What God's allowed us to accomplish. The incredible legacy that we're standing on today. And the call of God to us who call Faith Bible Chapel our home. This makes me ask this question for us. What did Jesus give our church that we are responsible to do something with? What did Jesus give our church that we are responsible to do something with? And I want to just take some time this morning. I'm going to look at five things. And I know there are more than five things, but I just want to share with you the five things that I believe are very important for us to know as a church that are unchangeable, and these things will never change. And the first thing that I want to look at, what is unchangeable, that we are responsible for, is this, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the foundation of everything that we do. And I'm just going to share some of my heart and my, my passion this morning. And, and hopefully you can resonate with that. And, and you, you can really sense that God is moving us in a fresh direction. But the gospel, just to explain it, it's the news that Jesus Christ, the righteous one, he died for our sins. He rose again, eternally triumphing over all of his enemies so that those who believe in him, will not have any condemnation, but they will have everlasting joy, everlasting peace. They can be set free from the curse of sin, the power of sin, and they can walk in freedom as they place Jesus at the center of their lives. The gospel, this is a message, and this is the message that we as a church are responsible for. And when we look at our community around us, if we could just, just take a moment and think about our community around us, our nations, uh, the nations of the world, we are confronted by so much pain. We're confronted by poverty, strongholds that hold people bound, diseases. And unless you live in a, in a little Christian bubble, the reality is we live in a broken, broken world. How many know that that's, that's to be true? We live in a broken world. And God has established this church Faith Bible Chapel, in this community to confront, hear me for a second, brokenness with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are confronted all the time with the fallen world. But if the gospel of Jesus is the hope of the world, and we look at a broken world all the time, we see the broken community all the time, we see the broken nations all the time in our own nation, how is the brokenness going to change? How's it going to change? And I know this to be true, and I believe it with all of my heart and for us. It is the gospel and the gospel alone that can bring change to our communities, to our families, to the addicted, to the abused, to the abuser, to the mothers, to the fathers, to the children, to the teenagers, to the young adults, to your life and to my life. It is the gospel and the gospel alone that can reach into every heart and bring change and bring transformation. The gospel, it's so precious, it's so strong, it's so powerful. I don't ever want us to lose sight that it's the only thing that can bring transformation and change and healing to this broken world. It is the world's only hope, is the gospel. This is what Jesus has given us as a church to proclaim, to live and to do something with it. That's kind of a, that's like a heavy weight. You know, you go, oh my gosh, you're right. 
Jesus has given the church the gospel to do something with. Just like the master in the story, he left it with the church. He left it with us, and he ascended to heaven. My friends, one day he's coming back again. And what do we do with the gospel? I mean, if we want to see the power of God show up, then let's preach the gospel. If we want to have God's presence show up and heal the broken and and touch the tired and the weary and the confused and the lost and start bringing people from, from one place of glory to another place of glory and grow us, then let's start talking about his son, Jesus. Do you know that Jesus is the passion of the Father himself? Did you know that before the foundations of the earth, it was the Father and the Son who were in perfect unity and harmony? That the work of Jesus was was the Father's passion. It was his sacrifice for you and me, but it was the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead and seated him, seated him in heavenly places at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is the passion. And if you want to get the presence and the passion of God, then start talking about his son. He just shows up. He's all proud. They're talking about my son. And that's the gospel. And when I was thinking about the gospel and thinking about us as a church, the church or a church that has the gospel at its core will never be arrogant, will never be prideful, will never be irrelevant to the community, the broken community around them. Because the gospel at its core is humbling. It removes every self-righteous thought that somehow we are better than those other people over there. And since the Son of God came to serve and not be served, a church that has the gospel at its center will also act the same. A church that has the gospel at the center is not worried about what they like or they want. They're worried about what reaches the lost because they're thinking, I want to serve so that God can use my life and touch someone else through the gospel. The whole purpose of Jesus coming to the earth was to serve the broken, to serve those who are sick. That was the whole purpose. And the gospel, when it's at the center of our church, says this. This gospel of Jesus Christ, it impacts me. It changes me. I draw closer to God because of it. But it started with me, but it sure isn't going to finish with me. God's going to use me to serve other people. It's humbling. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians. For when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast. I can't boast when I preach the gospel. It's not about how good I am. It's about how good Jesus is. Since I'm compelled to preach, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. This is some of the strongest language in the New Testament. This is Paul, the one who started the church. The one, one of the reasons why you and I are meeting here today was because of this man, Paul. He planted churches all over, and he was telling people and starting, and God had empowered him to do so. And what, what is his main thing that really causes him to keep going? It's the gospel. There's no, other, there's no other pet theology he's dealing with. He's dealing with the gospel and Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. The gospel will never change. But our job as a church, my friends, and it's so exciting, is to proclaim it through every means necessary. 
for, through every means that impacts someone else. Whether it's through videos or through the messages like what I'm giving right now or through our lives or through our worship or through our atmosphere. Or, or are we demonstrating the gospel that whosoever will can come? Paul says this, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Jesus has left us with the gospel. And we're going to be held responsible for what we did with it. So we as a church, as we move forward to the, you know what's not going to change? The gospel's not going to change. The preaching of the gospel is not going to change. And we're going to lead, and I believe this. Listen, I believe this is a prophetic declaration over our church. We are going to lead as many people as possible into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, beginning with the gospel. How many, are, how many want to be a part of that? I think it's, it's good. The second unchangeable thing that Jesus left us as a church, a faith Bible chapel here with, is that, we are going, that we're going to be responsible and held responsible for what we did with it, is this. It's the Word of God. How do we handle it? Here's the question. What's the purpose of the Word of God? What, is, what are we supposed to do with the Word of God? Well, 2 Timothy says this. All Scripture is breathed out. I love It's almost as though God breathed it. It's, it's part of himself. His DNA runs all through this Word. And so all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable Profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. You see, God's word is what we base our life on here at the church. It's, it's who we are. We don't, we don't get our belief system as, as Christians from anywhere else in the world. We don't get it um, definitely from, we don't get it from CNN. We don't get it from Fox News. You're like, wait a minute. I like Fox News. We don't get our belief system from Fox News. We don't get it from the internet. We don't get it from some blog. We get the truth and how we live our lives from the Word of God. It's, it's where we find our truth. It's what God says about himself and our view of the world and our view of sin and our understanding of ourselves. God's plan for our lives, for our families, for our children, and for our church. The Bible is at the core of everything that we believe here at Faith Bible Chapel. But this word is to be given under the, under the covering of God's grace. Man, I've been around people, they use the word of God and they use scripture just to thump people upside the head. There's no love in them whatsoever. Man, I had a friend, he actually carried around, it was one of those big Bibles. And man, he carried it like this. And it's, it was, looked like he was carrying a weapon. And so I always thought it was, it was because he wanted to, like, share the love of Jesus. No, he just wanted to use it to hit people with. He had no love in him whatsoever. But the word of God must be shrouded in the nature of God, which is his grace and his love and his acceptance to all of us. And this book is just not a manual. It's just not a relationship help book. It's just not doctrine. This book is what gives us life. 
This is the book that inspires us, that guides us, that directs us. This is the book that brings life and ends death. It's the greatest true story ever told of rescue, of redemption, of restoration. This is a good book, my friends. And it's the center of who we are as a church. And I love how Hebrews 4 explains the word of God. It's, it's, like, it's like it's this pulsing, moving thing. It says, for the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, meaning it just cuts us deeply. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. According to this scripture, the word of God kind of pulls back the curtains of our hearts. Have you ever been reading the, the word of God and, and you're studying or do you hear a message and it feels like, feels like God came in and like pulled the curtains back of your heart and you feel kind of exposed and vulnerable? Happens to me all the time. Maybe I just because I got more junk in my life than you. But it happens to me all the time. It's like God pulls back the curtains of my heart. But here's, here's the incredible thing about the love of God and how he uses his words. His word exposes our brokenness. It actually exposes our pain. No one wants to walk around with pain. No one wants to walk around broken. It exposes our sin. It exposes our baggage, not to exploit us, not to point its finger at us and, and pin us in a corner and leave us shaking and, and, and convict or condemned, but he convicts us so that he can heal us. He can enable us to live the life we actually, all of us, want to live. It helps us to see ourselves for who we really are, not for whom the enemy or the world says we are. What's so beautiful about the Word of God is that it draws lines in the sand that because of our sin and our brokenness, we can't draw ourselves. So we go to the Word and we say, how do we live our lives? And this Word was given to us by the Master to do something with. That's one of our passions, his heart here is in what areas of every one of our ministries, from our children's ministry to our youth ministry, to a discipleship process that we're working hard to, to develop and grow, to the purpose of us having a Christian school that gives a Christian environment and ethos so that every child has the opportunity to succeed in that environment. Does it mean they will? No, it doesn't. But our job is to create a Jesus-centered environment. Why do we do all of this? Why do we have a church and we come and, and, and we do all of this together? It's because God's asked us to do that. It's because the word of God is the center of who we are. And this word was given to us by the master. And our job is not to bury it in a bookshelf, but to apply it to our lives, to invest it in our church in our marriage and family ministry, into our altar ministry, into every ministry, into our kitchen ministry. How do we handle our finances here at the church? I don't know. Let's ask the Bible how we should handle our finances. I don't want to ask some banker, though if you're a banker, I'm so glad for, for you because I trust that you're here. You're looking at the Word of God. How do, you, how do you handle finances? But this is our core. This is what we do. How do we handle our people? How do we serve you as the leaders here at the church? That we're to be shepherds to you. We're to serve you. We're to make sure that you have every opportunity to succeed and be all that God has for you. 
It teaches us how to lead. We understand that Jesus told the disciples, don't lord over those that I lead you. Don't do that. But serve them. Love them. Sacrifice for them. Follow my example for them. What teaches us that? The Word of God does. And this is the book by which we will continue to lead and run this ministry. But our job is to communicate this word by every means necessary to the world around us, to reach every generation in every way possible, to invest what Jesus gave us into our community and to the next generation. It is our job. The generations, listen, there are different learning styles for every generation. My generation is different than the younger generation. The older generation is different than, than, than my generation. The reality is if we keep the Word of God at the core and we communicate it by every means necessary and we hit as many people as possible, we believe that the Word of God will not return void, that it will set up shop in people's lives and will draw them to the Savior. Another essential that God gave us as a church here at Faith Bible Chapel that we're responsible to do something with is this, the Holy Spirit. It is a gift given to the church. And God gave the Holy Spirit to the church so he can do something through us, do something in us, do something that's miraculous and incredible in us and through us. Jesus spoke about this gift actually coming to the church in Acts Jesus had been crucified, he died, and he was risen from the dead, and he was talking with his disciples, and he was talking to other people around him. And he says this in Acts 1, 4 through 5, he says, while, the, while they were staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And this was Jesus was letting them know, listen, I'm giving something to the church that you have not seen yet. You have not experienced yet. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon someone for a task to do. You saw Samson. It happened with Samson. It happened with Moses. The Holy Spirit would come upon them for a task. But after the task, it would leave. But now Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit that's just not on me. It is in me now. It's inside of me. It's dwelling in me. It's alive and well. It doesn't lift and come and go and go back and go somewhere else. It is with us always. And he's saying, hey, fellas, you wait for this because this is going to change your life. And then in Acts 1.8, he said this. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And, and you will be my witnesses. Everyone say Witnesses. In Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. Here's Jerusalem was their local place. Judea was a little larger. And Samaria was a little bigger. And to the ends of the earth means everywhere. And what's going to help them do that? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So you can be my witnesses where? Here, there, and everywhere else. And he said this. And after he said that, he ascended to heaven. Then he gave the gift of the Holy Spirit to the church in Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all gathered in one place. Remember earlier in Acts, he said, I want you to stay in Jerusalem and wait. So that's what they were doing. They were in Jerusalem and they were waiting. And suddenly, as they were waiting, 
there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This is remarkable. At this moment, things changed. At this moment, the church was born. You had disciples that, that many days before had denied even knowing Jesus around a fire, warming their hands. That was Peter. And then all of a sudden they were filled with the Holy Spirit as Jesus promised. And now Peter gets up and he steps in front of everybody, stands on the temple stairs, and he begins preaching a message that he had never preached before. And thousands of people got saved. But what happened? The Holy Spirit happened. And it's the gift that he gave the church. Now listen, people get freaked out when you talk, talk, start talking about the Holy Spirit. They think things are, oh, that means things are crazy. We're going to have people swinging. No, 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 no. Because the Word of God is our base. And the Word of God says that in church that everything must be done decently and in order. Everyone say amen to that. And so our heart is to honor God and His Word and to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Meaning everything we do can have an eternal, supernatural impact. So we pray for someone, we believe the Holy Spirit's going to do something in us and through us that's going to touch and heal and restore. After this happened for them, the church exploded. Miracles began to happen through the church, through men, through women, through young men, through young women. Lame people walked, blind eyes were opened, fear was gone, boldness to proclaim the message of Jesus increased. And the church went from a spark to a full-blown wildfire that spread across the world. Not in their own power, not because they were super clever, but because they had the power of the Holy Spirit. And they didn't, they didn't allow religion to dictate why they did anything. They allowed the Word of God and the leading of the Spirit to guide them. Jesus has given our church the beautiful gift of His Holy Spirit. We have a responsibility to follow His leading. And know as we pray for the sick, as we preach the gospel, as we apply the word of God, as we reach the lost, I want you to hear this for a moment. It is not by might, nor by power, by our own power, but we will do it by the power of the Holy Spirit, says the Lord. That's how we're going to have a major impact on this community and world. We will allow the Holy Spirit to work in our midst through us, not for our sake to build our name, but for his sake so we can build his name, so that we can be witnesses for his sake. Another unchangeable that Jesus gave us as a church is this thing called the Great Commission. Meaning this, it's the command to go. It's a command to go. A lot of times this passage we're about to read, is, it, it, it is the core of almost every mission organization going to all the world. But the, really the premise of this passage is just go. Just go. Do something. Move forward. Push, push things backwards. Begin to, to be, begin to be the people that God's called you to be. And in Matthew 28, says this. Jesus says this. Go Therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You want to boil this down to one word? It's just go. We're called by God to go. We're called by God to, to begin to move forward, 
to take his love, his, the, the message of his love through our church. We're to represent him in our community and in our nation and in the nations of the world. I believe this to be the calling for Faith Bible Chapel. I believe that our church has called and God has called and has a global calling on us. That there is a world that God's called us to. And we're called to impact the world. And I believe God's called our church to encourage, to equip to empower and to send out leaders from our own body to the world. This is our call. Maybe a missionary, maybe a business leader, maybe a church planter, whatever it may be, to have a global impact. The world needs godly leaders. The world needs godly new church leaders. The world needs innovative thinkers. They need business leaders, workers to be on a mission to represent Jesus in the world. Why? Because we're called to go. In other words, move forward. In other words, there is no reverse in our call from God. We don't back up. We move forward. We get pressure in in front of us. We lean our heads into it a little bit. And we push. And we keep moving. To actively pursue open doors. To communicate the message of Jesus through his word. Through the deeds of our hands. And through our love to one another. One aspect of this calling to the nations and to the world is to this little nation called Israel. It's part of the Great Commission. Romans 11 says this. Actually, it was Paul talking. Has God rejected his people? By no means. No. Exclamation point. For I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. We believe that our call as a church falling under the banner of the Great Commission is to stand with Israel, to come into submission to God's word, that the land belongs to the Jews, that God is not forsaken. And as we stand with, not just with Israel, because standing with Israel is important, but what's what's more important is that we stand with the word of God. And that the word of God is, says, that the land of Israel belongs to the Jews. And so we are standing with the word of God. And this is what Jesus has given our church. The great commission. And here's the question. What are we going to do with it? Young people, the great commission, God's call on your life. What are you going to do with it? There is an adventure that's in front of you that God's just waiting for you to go. To get it done. To, to seek the, the pastors and elders and leaders and the, and the moms and dads to, to lay their hands on you. And you say, you know, I feel like God's called me to go. And maybe called to go and be a doctor. Maybe called, go to be a missionary. Maybe called to go and be a teacher. It doesn't matter. God's called you to go. He's put his hand on your life. And he's going to go with you wherever you go into the ends of the earth. Because you're called to go. You're called to make an impact. You're called to enlarge the kingdom of God. You're called to be everything through the power of the Holy Spirit that God wants you to be. This is what Jesus has given our church. That excites me. Does that excite you? It excites me, man. How are we going to reach the next generation? How are we going to reach... Your children, your grandchildren. I think that's what's really special is um, I, I had a, we had a meeting with some pastors here, and we were at Pastor George and Cheryl's house, and 
um, we were just all talking, talking about how Pastor George had impacted our lives. And um, my wife, and I just didn't catch it, my wife said, you know, Pastor George and Cheryl, I've been in, you've been my pastor since third grade. And George, his face kind of lit up and he said, he said, I think that's the greatest thing a pastor could ever hear. That the next generation is carrying on what I've done and what God's done through me. Here's the question. How are we going to reach the next generation? Look at the young people sitting in this room and the younger 30-somethings, the 25-somethings, the 40-somethings. We all have a place. But God's called this gospel and this word to reach the generations. We're a generational church. That's who we are. And that leads us to this last point of what's unchangeable for us as a church. And that is, and what has Jesus given us? That, that is what we call the family of God. God has given us the family of God. It's a gift to you. Ephesians 2 says this. This is again Paul talking. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens talking to us. Who, that you might think I'm an alien, but according to Scripture, I'm not. So there you go. <laughs> You're no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of what? The household of God. Such a beautiful picture. And when you become a follower of Jesus, he brings you into his family. No matter who your parents were or aren't, or whether you know who they are or not, the reality is when you come to Jesus, you immediately get a family. You're part of the household of God, which also, to, 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 uh, to articulate further, that Christ Jesus himself is the cornerstone. In other words, he is what holds it all together, Jesus. You know, for our church, for our family, Jesus sits at the head of the table. He's our chief shepherd. He says, jump, we say, how high? He's the head of this house. And every good parent teaches their children to make sure you take care of the family. And guess what? God does the same thing. Take care of your family. Take care of the church that God's called you to be a part of. We have different abilities. We have different giftings. But God has brought you into this church to be a part of this family. And God has given us this family to take care of. We're responsible for it. I'm responsible to, for you, and you're responsible for me. There are some of you, you're going you're gonna to need more, more attention at times than others. And so someone can give you that attention, and then the roles will reverse one day. And then someone else will require a little more care, a little more attention, a little more love. It's, it's, it is the family. And we're all welcome into his family. Since he sits at the head of the table... We are not the gatekeepers of who comes into this family. Jesus is. He's the one that adds to the church. He's the one who builds the church. He's the one who gave his blood for the church. It's his church. He chooses who he wants to be a part of this church or not. And you have been chosen by God to be a part of this family. You, called by name. He's brought you in. He's, he's made you a part of this family. And we want to do our best as Faith Bible Chapel to, to make us a closer family, to rediscover what it means, a biblical understanding, what it means to be a part of a body of Christ. And we want to do a better job at that. And we're striving to do that. 
But it's a privilege to be a part of this family with you. It's a privilege to be in unity together. Because Scripture says where God's people dwell in unity, there it commands God's blessing. I tell you what, I want some of God's blessing. And so I'm going to be in unity with you. Yes, you're going to disagree with one another over some things or maybe a couple theological things or a couple things here and there. But the reality is we're a part of a family. Listen, you, you, you just get your family a little bit bigger. You add uncles and cousins. There's going to be disagreements that are going on. But the fact is this. We're committed to one another. That Jesus has given this family and we're responsible for what we do with it. How we treat one another. And according to what Jesus has given the church... And as we read that parable earlier, and we looked at the five things that are unchangeable, here's what I do know. One day, the church will face a divine audit. That Jesus will come and he'll say, what did you do with what I gave you? How did you handle it? How did you handle your love for one another? How did you handle the disagreement you had? Did you allow your pride to get in the way or did you reconcile according to Scripture? What will we have to show for our management of what he's given us as Faith Bible Chapel? How do we manage the gospel? What do we do with it? Did we, did we limit it and say, no, it can only be delivered one way or communicated one way? Or did we expand our horizon? Not, we, weren't, we didn't get caught up on how we do things. We got caught up on why we do things. It's to reach the world with the gospel. How do we manage the Word of God? Did we place it at the center of our lives? Or, or did we, instead of using a yellow highlighter, sometimes we use the black Sharpie to, to highlight some of our scriptures? Because we didn't like them. Did we really place it at the center of how we led our ministries and how we treated one another? How we empowered and equipped other people around us? How do we manage the Holy Spirit? Did we, did we seek Him? Did we ask him to empower us? Did he ask him to give us a, an impact that only he can give us? Did we wait on him? Did we allow him to move in our midst and through us? How do we manage the Great Commission? Did we do our best to send the best people out? Did we do our best to make decisions based on what we believe God was leading us for the greatest return on investment into the mission's world? Did we allow the fear of man? Well, if we change something, then, then someone's going to get upset. Or did we allow the fear of God to lead and guide us and direct us in the area of the great commission of going to the world and reaching those who have not heard? How do we manage what Jesus gave us? How do we manage the family of God? Did we see it as a place? It's, it's this, this greenhouse where leaders can be raised up. Do we have Mothers and fathers, teenagers and adults working together, serving together, being the family together. When one generation doesn't say, oh, we don't need that generation. And the older generation saying, you know what, I, we don't need those younger generation and vice versa. No, that's not who we are. And you guys have proven that. You love each other. And that's what I love. And that's what I know that God wants us to continue to champion. Because there's a purpose. And all these things is that our land needs to be healed. Our world needs to be touched. 
And how are we going to do it? We're going to do it through these five things. We're going to do it through being a family that people thought, how do they even get along? We're going to do it through the demonstration of the power of God. Paul says that every time he proclaimed the gospel, it said what confirmed the gospel was miracles. God did something. It could be the miracle of salvation. It could be the miracle of healing. Either way, miracles happened. There was a tangible sense of God's presence. And that God has this incredible, beautiful plan that he is leading us as a church to do something amazing. And I am so privileged to be on this journey with you. I'm so honored. I'm so excited to see what God does in your life and for us as a church. I'm so excited to fill every one of these seats with people who don't know Jesus. And I'm so excited to see you being a part of leading people into the kingdom of God, one after another, after another, after another, after another. This isn't about church growth. The reality is church growth is not an option as long as hell is still a reality. And my friends, it is. And we're going to, God's going to use us to heal our land. Can we say heal our land? Can we say heal our land? That's our prayer. And that's our hope. We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center, located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.